You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. In India, I met farmers whose crops have been literally washed away by historic flooding. In America, I have witnessed unprecedented droughts in California. In Greenland and in the Arctic, I was astonished to see that ancient glaciers are rapidly disappearing well ahead of scientific predictions. All that I have seen and learned on my journey has absolutely terrified me. So the question now is whether we will have the courage to act before it's too late. And how we answer will have a profound impact on the world that we leave behind, not just to you, but to your children and to your grandchildren. As a president, as a father, and as an American, I'm here to say we need to act. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. It's Friday, Angie. Happy Friday. Thank you. It is a wonderful Friday. Yeah. For me, yeah. at least. How I know. Is, how, is, how is it over there? It's Saturday for you, though. Almost. Right it's almost Saturday, almost. and it's a little chilly, and it's okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, New Zealand. I drive around. I'm like, come on. You're living in New Zealand. Come on. Oh, my gosh. I know. I've been yeah. looking at pictures from New Zealand and drooling the colors, mm-hmm. the mountains, the ocean. It uh, yeah. is. For many, many reasons, it's on our bucket list. Obviously, you guys are there, but uh, the landscapes look breathtaking. I know. I know. It's funny. We have family descending on us next next month, and I'm laughing. I'm like, it's so cold. (laughs) It's, you know, they're coming from summer. They're all coming from hot weather. They'll they'll appreciate it for sure. And so are we going to have some some guests? a guest interviews next week with your family Maybe. in town. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what species are what species are they? What what category uh, would you put them into? The in laws. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh no, I love my in laws. I'm very lucky. Very. They're like very, they're very like very panda lucky, bears so. or something really cute yeah, and sweet. 
Yeah, they're awesome. They're they're supportive. They're great. I love my in laws. If you're listening, I love you guys. You know, please, please <laughs> no, keep I've sending those checks. <laughs> they're I want to adopt them. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep please, the checks please. coming. Yeah. Exactly. Keep sending those checks so we can live in New Zealand. <laughs> I love no, it. I love it. No, they're they're awesome. So this week in news, it's it's been busy. There's I know we kind of had some trouble picking which to cover. So you know, I think we're, this week we're going to have you lead off. Oh, yes. Well, I get to lead off with some of the best news as mm-hmm. recently San Diego Zoo announced mm-hmm. the birth of two critically endangered Amur leopards. Ooh. And the, yes, yes. Yeah. And this is, uh, Chris, this is the rarest big cat. Mm-hmm. Their, mm-hmm. their numbers in the wild are estimated to be less than a hundred. Yeah, so the, yeah, they're they're what China, like Mongolia. Their historical range was you know North Korea. Well, yeah, and, and they're but now I think they're pretty much Siberia. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the other really cool thing is their cold climate, which is pretty rare. We think right. of big cats, you think of uh, you know tropical, subtropical, uh, hot weather. So mm-hmm. yeah, but the great news is both cubs were female, and okay, yeah, good. and they were born on April fifth, and they're growing fast. But now they're out more. For the public. So if you go to the zoo, mm-hmm. you can see them frolicking around doing what oh God, amazing, beautiful <laughs> baby big cats yeah. do, right? They remind us of a- Well, and they're one of the most rare animals on earth. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I remember, oh, I think, I don't know if the Denver Zoo had it. I know the Greenville Zoo, when Ashley was working there in South Carolina, had uh, a yes. pair. And I remember looking at them and it was like, they are so rare. So if you get to see them, you're really you lucky. Cause like you said, well, there's, there's 200 on earth total. Um, there, there's a hundred mm. or less in the wild. And then there's around mm. 200 or so living under human care. In captivity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 300 yeah. total around the earth. Yeah. Though. And my, my, I, it's great. Yeah. yeah. My, my husband got to work with them in Chicago. So, and so yeah, we got to be up close and. Well, it's just really exciting too because this this breeding pair was introduced to be part of what they're calling the Global Species Management Program, and this is an mm-hmm. international conservation plan that the zoo takes part in. And there's like up to mm-hmm. 90 institutions that are working together to try to increase these numbers with hopes of trying to boost their populations and then re-releasing perhaps in the wild someday. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's really exciting and. No, that's good. That's good news. And, yeah, it's really but good in the news. wild, they, they, they're protected, but they're not out of the woods. They, of course, there's issues sometimes with habitat loss and poaching. So the part of this global species management program too is helping restore and preserve their natural habitat. So yeah, but just a, a feel good story for sure. And one of my girlfriends just got back from the San Diego Zoo. She had never been there. Jesse, you know, Jesse. Shout out to mm-hmm. Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. this is my Jesse, my yeah. girlfriend, Jesse. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I have to, I'll have to see if she's got any pictures of what she was just there like if two days ago. Yeah. Oh, she wow, saw wow, them. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're super fun and just really exciting and a very rare, rare big cat birth at San Diego yeah. zoo. And yeah, no, that's, two, really, and they're fe- that's really they're, cool. Yeah. And they're females, which is, uh, Chris and I should probably explain that although males are great, don't get me wrong. I'm married to one. <laughs> they're, I have, they're awesome. Males I have, are, are pretty I awesome. have two sons, so I'm like surrounded <laughs> with male testosterone. Yes. yes, with maleness. <laughs> and so my, my female dog and I are kind of like loners. But anyways, yeah. but in a, and when they're living under human care and they're trying to breed an animal, females are way mm. better because 
with the birds and the bees, you only need one male. Right, and right. the more females you have, the better. So it's well, like- and then you you can ship. You know, we we talk about it. You ship the male gametes around the world. Correct. Once you figure out those techniques, you know, it's a species by species thing. That's you know, again, what Danielle's doing with the elephants. We're trying to figure that one out. But yeah, females are are very important in a population management, right? Absolutely. A and a lot of times, yeah. uh, depending on the species, um, at least I know with hoofstock, they can be managed easily or easy together more so than mm-hmm. sometimes you put, you know, it's not always great to put males together, but uh, more uh, yeah. zoos are, are working with doing what are called bachelor groups. So yeah. they're younger males that kind of grow up together and then they're fine living together. So mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, one of the hardest to, to house elephants. And so male elephants are notoriously difficult. So, you know, it's just, again, there, there's so many different things and it's a species by species basis, yeah. but that's great news. Yeah. Really and of news. course, being the reproductive dork that I am, I hmm. investigated further to see if it was a natural breeding or if there was any artificial reproductive technologies used, but this was a natural breeding. So okay. at this point, okay. I don't know if they're um, collecting the mail or saving in the gametes. Hopefully they are. I mean, San Diego Zoo is a world-class leader as far as their uh, frozen mm-hmm. zoo goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to mm-hmm. look more into that. But very, very exciting. And, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's and cool. I don't, yeah. I don't know the females, as far as I know, don't, don't have names yet. So, uh, but yeah. We'll see. Okay. Well, the one story I found last week, Angie, we talked about while you were off frolicking in Michigan. We were, we talked about AI. There is nothing Are, better than frolicking in Michigan through the, 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 the summer, the beautiful summer months, sandy right. beaches and the uh, yeah. blueberry fields in the yeah. summer months. Yeah. In the summer months. Yeah. December is a little harsh in, in Michigan. But Jesse and I were talking about using artificial intelligence. And there's actually a program that's using these camera traps and documentary, documenting the number counting the number of animals usually takes people thousands and thousands of hours. This AI does it in a couple hours. And then I actually have a friend here in New Zealand. She's working on developing AI with another researcher in Australia to look at goat behavior. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So to, that it can watch it and actually document certain behaviors. So who knows what will be in 10 years? You, you'll probably be out of a job, you know, or you won't have a job because hey. it's all a computer. <laughs> And then, honestly, if they're getting better numbers and better data, I am all for that. Yeah, yeah I will yeah, just yeah. I'll become a I'll become a goat yoga instructor. No, you just do the AI, you become an AI analysis or something. You know? No, but that's the thing here. That's the thing here in the states. Goat it's, uh, yoga. Yeah, what? it's yo- yoga with goats. I haven't done oh, it yet. Oh god! But should I find it easily, I will do it and I'll send pictures because it sounds oh, god, amazing. <laughs> Between that, you and the rhino orphanage, I always know. I always tell everybody, okay, if Angie disappears, we know where she's at. Ooh, stick around in this podcast. I'm actually highlighting not a rhino orphanage, but another large mammal orphanage. So, okay, okay, okay. Stay tuned. So, anyways, this story is smart software. Here's here is this from the Smithsonian. And again, for all the listeners, the links are under our news section. You can go there and read these stories and look at some of the images and the videos because there's actually one where you're going to want to watch the video. I'll, I'll save that that story for last. But this was called Smart Software Helps Fishermen Catch the Fish They Want, Not Endangered Species. Love it. Okay. So, tell me more. Again, how technology is trying to help solve some of these problems. So what it is is an app or a program. Mm-hmm. That fishermen can use and it updates daily or it's a constant update on to pinpoint where the fish 
are that they want to catch. So how does it? We do know, it, Chris. Okay, so the <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat here, buddy. <laughs> the I, fish text in where they're at, and then they ping the fish. No. <laughs> That's kind of so, how I pictured it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of set this. But the the really smart fish like say they're in a different location than they are, so they don't get caught. See. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Go catch that thing over there, yeah, not the, me. The yeah. sneaky fish. Yeah. So the Noah's de- helping develop this. It's called EcoCast, and their their goal is to reduce unintended bycatch. So when fishermen go out, right, and they're targeting a sp- certain species, their equipment is for that species of fish. It's not an endangered or an overfished population, things like that. But when they get this bycatch, which are other types of fish, seals, you know, sea turtles, dolphins, or whatever else that they accidentally catch, it breaks their equipment. They don't want to do that. And obviously they, especially if it's an endangered species, like say the vaquita porpoise, they would be like, oh my God, they, they, they probably, I, I would hope most of them would care, right? So this app actually tells them where the fish are. So Angie, the way they do this, is they're using computer models. And as you and I know in research, that's becoming a big thing. Sure, you can you know, predict computer modeling. the future, <laughs> more or less. Right, yeah. right. And it kind of goes with the with the artificial intelligence. You know, using computers are getting smarter. They're going to take over the world. Hopefully it's a good thing. You know, we'll see. <laughs> it's not like a Terminator scenario. <laughs> but so they're using computer models. They're using live ocean conditions to predict where the target species will be on any given day. So the weather will affect where fish go. The, you know, the temperature of the ocean, the changes in currents, things like that. So all of that goes into this model and they know, okay. And then the, the fishermen report back. I'm, I'm sure they report oh, back. Yeah. Hey, I, re- mm-hmm. I saw this, this fish here. We caught it here. These coordinates. And so they're uploading this data using these powerful computers. And now they can say, okay, based on how this fish behaves and should be, they should be here. And then the fishermen go out there and search or catch. That I fish love it. And not go and hit, hit the other animals or something like that, that they're not want to. So that's just, I think it's good news. I mean, again, the, the whole idea of me pointing this out is technology is catching up to some of this stuff. It is getting involved in conservation. It's, it's going to play a big role. It's going to, if I think if we're going to turn all this around and I think we will and we can, I feel the groundswell. I, I just, I don't know why the plastics, you know, I know we, we have an uphill battle, but there's a lot of noise. Yeah, out there I'd be right interested now, to see in good. like the years to come and maybe there already is, but if there wasn't actually like a major in college or a minor of something of, yeah, like mm-hmm. conservation, conservation engineering yeah. or conservation computer science well or no i mean uf mm-hmm. was doing that they were doing that there was uh when i was there because when i was doing freshman orientation every year they there was new majors popping up with like environmental engineering okay. was a big one that was awesome. an up-and-coming one uh ecology and conservation i think was another one that was up and yeah. coming marine science came back because not only did students want it but they realized the health of the oceans so yeah. they're there so I encourage you know, younger listeners that, you know, if you really want to get involved, suck it up. You'll make it through the physics. Oh, yeah. The, the no, I, all mm-hmm. that. You will do. Yeah. And I having, luckily yeah. having insight 
uh, foresight or whatever it would be called. I did zoology major at Michigan State, but I tacked on mm-hmm. an environmental mm-hmm. biology major because even, you know, a few yeah. years ago when I was an undergrad, circa blah, 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 <laughs> I won't say. Uh, <laughs> so last century, yeah, I can say that. For me, not it was quite, last century. Yeah, I guess, I guess it was. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. um, that, yeah, that I, I just knew like having some of those environmental classes yeah. on board, the water sciences, earth sciences. Now I obviously don't have mm-hmm. an engineering bone in my body, at, unfortunately. I hope, no, um, no, I don't. Hopefully I don't. Xander I don't. does, be, um, or Zachary, cause their grandfather, uh, yeah. yeah, John's dad was an engineer. So, yeah. Yeah. but still like, yeah, it's kind of merging the sciences cause I, I was more high, hardcore science, but yeah, mm-hmm. merging, uh, mm-hmm. merging mm-hmm. ecology with technology and, uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's, yeah, it's yeah, no, definitely cool, cool. something, it's good for your resume. I know it helped me get into UF. They were yeah. like, oh, we don't care about the biology. Yeah, no, oh, no. you did some environmental stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Now I've got a really, I, again, like I said, this last, this last one, it's hilarious that I found, but, uh, let's, let's go to one, another story that you found this week. Well, it's funny you bring up hilarity, um, because yeah. this story is not necessarily about hilarity, but this story is about happiness. Oh, okay. So I bumped into a study mm-hmm. that uh, reported that watching nature documentaries, which I, I'm i sure that can be anything from a short YouTube animal video in nature mm-hmm. to a full-on planet Earth. Planet uh, Earth. Which yeah. you're a big yeah. fan of. Uh, yeah. And it says that watching nature documentaries is just as good as meditating for overall well-being. Ah, so we so, all know mm, re- reports uh, keep coming in about meditating. There's now there's all these meditating apps mm-hmm. and just like shortcuts to meditate because of all the health benefits that yeah. study after study have found. Uh, uh, and so a team of scientists reviewed more than 20 studies investigating mm-hmm. the effects of different meditation and compared it to other activities. And uh, this was actually out of the UK, but then Massey University in New Zealand I don't know if you're mm-hmm, familiar with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, so New Zealand and the Nether- Netherlands. So they all kind of got together and they, mm-hmm. um, and they, yeah, they demonstrated that you can watch animal videos and have similar well-being feelings yeah. as meditation. And, yeah, I, and listening to this podcast. So yeah, there you go. Well, that's kinda, that's what, well, and so then I took it a step further yeah, because yeah. I, because I was like, okay, because they, in this uh, article, they had talked about previous studies. And so I, mm-hmm. I did a little digging and, Interestingly enough, last year, there was a study that didn't look at meditation at all. It just straight up focused on um, on watching nature documentaries and how it made mm-hmm. participants feel. And this was a big study. It was, uh, interestingly enough, the Planet Earth Makers, BBC, and then uh, the University of California, Berkeley, a brilliant school. They mm-hmm. got together and they used cutting-edge facial mapping technology. Okay. On 7,500 participants. Wow. So a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also explored over like 150 scientific papers to look between the link between nature and human happiness and overall well-being. Mm-hmm. And they concluded that the connection to nature enhanced people's attention, cognitive performance, sense of calm. They made it, made people more pro-social. So my husband, who is a little bit more of an introvert than I am, mm-hmm. the nature, I guess, theoretically could help yeah. him like people more. 
It's debatable. It's debatable. This uh, okay. is like my wife. She's I the same. That. We married yeah, like yeah. the same person, just opposite sex. I, I yeah. She so, yeah. Yeah. He's really good at it because he obviously he has to work at it. But and he does love people. Mm-hmm. He just explained the way he explained it to me, which makes a lot of sense. Is mm-hmm. when I hang out with people, talk to people. It doesn't matter if it's sometimes even the wall. Uh, (laughs) as Dr. Warren used to jokingly tease me, uh, I feel energized after that conversation where John explained it, that a lot of times, depending on who he's engaging with, he can feel tired after the conversation. Tired. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, so more nature, nature doc. I'm just like going to load up some documentaries on his his office computer. Yeah. And, uh, but no, and then this study also, this little bit older study also proved that it can have more effective team players and of course, Mm -hmm. improve physical well-being. Oh, cool. And I mean, I just, you know, you were talking about that and it's like, I think about my weekend jaunts. We usually try to go explore somewhere in New Zealand and, I, I know once the spring hits, which is so weird for me, which starts in September, you know, yeah, September that's... to me is always cold and leaves changing, but it, yeah, for, for our listeners south of the equator, it's normal for you, but for us that live above the equator or the Northern, it's just weird. But anyways, in September or October, I know we'll be getting out more, but I just feel so oh, awesome. Balance. After we go for a hike mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's, it's weird because it's, what's really weird here, Angie is it's really quiet. Like, mm. it's crazy. So when we go out hiking, you don't hear millions of birds or insects or it's just quiet. It's really bizarre. That is but interesting. But it's so peaceful. Okay. Yeah. But you go walk in Florida and it's like, oh my God. Oh, it's you know? like the between, the course. yeah, the yeah. course between the crickets and the toads yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not quiet by any stretch of the nation, but it's beautiful because yeah, you can just... hear the birds and sometimes I hear eagles calling. Yeah. Uh, so or the whooping or, um, not the sandhill cranes. So yeah. yeah, it's, 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 but it's, it's, you know, it's just, I guess a def- different environment, but it's just, it's so peaceful. So yeah, we highly recommend getting out with nature. Yeah. Or watch nature documentaries. Right. Right. And I think that's, yeah, that's kind of the link is it just overall makes you feel ridiculously happy and there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) Like this podcast makes you happy thinking about animals. So this isn't good news. I'm saving my fun story for next, but this is, it's important. And for our listeners in the UK, you probably saw this and from the BBC, but one in five British mammals at risk of extinction. Wow, one in five. So this, yeah, this was making the making That's the rounds like this week. Twenty percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's twelve species that have been put on the red list by IUCN for wild mammals in Britain, and they only have about fifty eight mammals left. Now, one of the things I used to do, whenever I gave this talk to the students, when I was going around, you know, when you got this bug in me to fight for endangered species and everything. And I found this slide and it's called the vanishing wildlife of England. And I'll, again, I'll put this on the show notes because it's just something I've, I've had for, I don't know, was this like going on 10 years now? Oh no, you started my lab, but 2010. So five, six, seven years ago. Anyways, things that, and I always like to bring this one up. So there have been a lot of wildlife that have disappeared. Brown bears, you know, like brown bears in England. Yeah, like, really? That, they, they, I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they had brown bears. So some of the mammals that that went extinct. Brown bears went extinct in the first century. They had lynx that went extinct. They had wolves in the 1200s. 
their beavers are in danger. I think they're beavers. They still have some beavers there. Uh, right whales, wildcat is the one that's really endangered there. And this, this mouse. So they have a lot of, a lot of animals that are uh, endangered there. The one I always brought up was the tawny earwig, which is that little earwig insect that went extinct a hundred years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, who cares about the tawny earwig? Well, Chris, uh, my son cares about earwigs a lot. He actually got, he actually got <laughs> bit by one and he didn't, it didn't even phase him. Oh, yeah. He was like, he still, yeah. he was a little like disappointed, but he still went on catching them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I was like, who cares? It's a dumb insect, right? Well, something cares because something eats that Absolutely. earwig. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And that earwig has its ecological niche. So anyways, I used to always use that as an example in the students were always like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Anyways, climate change. Habitat loss, pesticides, disease, these are all things contributing to to that. Now, this one made me really sad because I was like, oh, hedgehogs Aww. are now endangered. Their populations have declined by 70% oh. over the last 20 years. I uh, got to work with hedgehogs at the Children's Zoo in Chicago. Yeah. And they are, I mean, I would never want one for a pet. Um, and I know there's people no. that do like them for pets, which um, yeah. teach their own. But... Yeah, I just using them as an uh, education animal to help raise awareness mm-hmm. about these issues that they do face in the wild where they live. Because a lot of people, mm-hmm. sometimes when animals like that are used as pets, people don't realize that right. they're actually fighting for their survival in the wild as well. In the wild, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 So just to wrap this up. So three species are critically endangered that wa- the wildcat, the greater mouse eared bat, okay. which again, Probably very critical to help or very important in helping farmers Absolutely. in that area. You know, insect control and the black rat, okay. which like, I'm sure, you know, the, the rats in England, uh, they don't have a good history. Well, we'll there have with to, the Chris, stuff, uh, but, we'll have okay. to put uh, one of those species on the, the list to, to cover. The list. Yeah. So we can yeah. learn more about it because yeah. just yeah. off, off the top of my head, I don't really know much about a wild cat. So, yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, no, it'd be good. It'd be good. And then they, yeah, then the red squirrel, beaver, water voles, gray, long-eared bats are all endangered. So, yeah, the hedgehog is vulnerable now. Do they have pretty good protections for their animals there? Or is it on a species-by-species basis? I think it is. And then I think part of this, too, is at least this is getting highlighted. And so, you know, when you do studies like this and you come back and say, wow, this is bad news. What are we going to do about it? So hopefully there's more action uh, by the UK sure, in, in sure. trying to save some of these species. But yeah, there are there are protections in place in in that part of the world. So. Okay, cool. So switching gears a little bit for uh, conservation products and our eco-friendly products, I'm always on the lookout. Uh, John recently just started through his work. Um, I believe it's through. AZA, so the Associations mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Zoos and Aquariums, he's doing a plastic challenge, uh, both right. individually okay. then at, at his, um, at his institution. And so uh, they're giving all this wonderful material about how to reduce your plastic use. And so we've really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've really been, it's a conversation that we're having daily about what we did and what we, uh, how we're getting better. So anybody mm-hmm. who has, um, 
you know, workplace or something, maybe look, maybe encourage your coworkers or bosses or, uh, to do that. Cause I know there's been in the past, there's been like weight loss challenges or mm-hmm, ride your bike mm-hmm. to work challenges. I know the zoo that I worked at did yeah, that. Yeah. So this plastic free one is kind of a way to get once again, the conversation going. And so we're partaking that this month for the month of, uh, July awesome. at our June slash July at our house. And yeah, just the other day, Xander and I went out for ice cream and, I, they started to put it in a styrofoam cup, which yeah. historically I usually take home and recycle because we can restart, recycle mm-hmm. st- styrofoam, um, at a local grocery store here called Publix. But I, I, the, the ice cream scooper, the poor young guy, he, he got the, he started grabbing the styrofoam cup and I was like, wait, yeah. wait. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm the crazy lady. And I was like, I'm like, can we, you put it, it's cause it's like a coffee shop that we're, it's not yeah. even. A really yeah, yeah. A true ice cream store. Yeah. I'm like, can you put the ice cream in a ceramic coffee cup and a me- give me a metal spoon and we'll eat it here? And he, and then yeah. he kind of looked at me. I'm like, to save a tree. And then he and then he, and, he, yeah, and I yeah, explained, okay. like, we're doing this yeah, like plastic or inv- challenge. Plastic challenge. Yeah. And we did that, and it was great. And even though he touched the styrofoam, he still put it back in with the others. So I. Thought, <laughs> so, but John and I were talking. It's all about shifting gear. Like next time, I'm gonna come pre- more prepared. Yeah. Like it's like. You have to have your Zen Buddhist like monk of like thinking ahead. Right. How am how am I gonna pre- like? It's when you're trying to lose weight or something. Like how am I gonna prepare for this cocktail mm-hmm. party? Like I'm gonna you know how am I gonna mm-hmm. mentally behave myself? Well, it's developing habits, so right? It's, we I, said developing new habits, exactly yeah. healthy habits. And so, but one of the products I stumbled across, which I just uh, recently ordered, is called a shampoo bar. Mm-hmm. They're super hot right now, and it looks just like a bar of soap. Which I've always kind of wondered to yeah. myself because I don't, I don't really just... have a lot of beauty hygiene <laughs> myself. So I've always I don't see like, any earwigs just... crawling out of your hair, Angie. It's okay. Right. right. That, that is true. That is true. But I'm like, why can't you just use a bar of soap, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so I've tried – historically in the past when I've traveled, especially in uh, backpacking mm-hmm. in um, you know, like third world countries mm-hmm. and things like that, I will just use a bar of soap. But it does – kind of leaves a film and it's definitely not as nice as some of these, these shampoos. shampoos we have. But these, a few companies are coming up with these shampoo bars that are specially formulated for hair. Okay. So, and of course they come plastic free. They're wrapped in paper Mm -hmm. and they don't, you know, no typical shampoo and conditioners, these huge plastic bottles that, Mm -hmm. you you know, you you throw out every couple of months. And, uh, recently a company called Lush, uh, released a viral video about them and Chris, they sold more than 12,000 in two days. Wow. Wow. So okay. that gives me goosebumps hope that people are really starting to want more products right. like this. Right. And, right. and that, and that the other cool thing about this product is besides it's, they even have ones designed for not that this really matters for mm. you for, but for, um, some of my lady listeners out there, but designed for either frizzy hair or thin hair mm-hmm. or colored hair, or what, just like shampoo. So there's, mm-hmm. and, each bar um, has the same cleansing ingredients, but they don't have all the additives okay. that that are in the bottles of shampoo to make it like all liquidy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people it's the same say that stuff, yeah, 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 that their hair feels clean but not dry. And some people say they don't even need a conditioner afterwards, which is saving a whole for us ladies out there. Mm-hmm. We'd like to use conditioner as well, so saving a whole another product. Uh, so I'm really excited. I will report back in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, I'm going to look for that here. I, I'm thinking like, man, I mean, that'd be a good no, startup. No, and, 
Yeah, and especially if you're a dude. I mean, seriously. Like, no offense. Here's, I mean, not to, not to put, like, pit men against women or anything, but like, really, your hair is that, I mean, how, how much of a specialty product do you really need, right? Oh, and so, if you only knew. If you only knew. <laughs> Actually, that, that, that soap, we just, it's an all in one, you know, we got hair on our bodies and our chest. So, yeah, hey. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it works so, yeah. for guys and yeah. Yeah, so yeah. look for the shampoo bar because okay, cool. I'm going to use one. And yeah, if get rid of those plastic shampoo and conditioner bottles, man. You don't need them. I know, I know. Oh, it's just yeah. I I look at it. So Angie, my favorite story of the week. This one I dug and found this, and it's it's still it's PG PG thirteen. It, it's totally PG, but it's it's called it's almost like a sex bot for birds. It's the, the title in Wired Magazine is Why Scientists Turn This Taxidermy Bird Into a Robot. And it is amazing. So, yeah, I'm going to put the link on the show notes so people can go and watch this video. But it's, it's Gail Pat- Patricelli out of UC Davis. And so it's kind of like, you know, it starts off talking about her sense of humor using this, this robot <laughs> to, to birds. So this guy's like, you know, again, you and I in this podcast, we know we talk repro and it's like, whatever. It's, yeah, we, we rarely get giggly, uh, unless you're talking about blue whale anatomy. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so this reporter who's like, oh, yeah, from Wired magazine or whatever. So he's not into this animal stuff. But she has a fembot that she's developed for sage grouse. And it's a female sage grouse that in the story, she said, you know, these are ones that were hit by cars or found in power lines or whatnot. She didn't go out hunting for them. And they were stuffed by a taxidermist. And she built, you know, but they used a robot when they were stuffing the bird. So this bird that is now she found, you read the story, it talks about how she used like train tracks, but some of the males like pooped on the tracks or whatever and they wouldn't work. So now she's developed like, it's like almost like the little ATV remote controls oh, with okay. the wheels. Okay. Yeah. It's hilarious. The video is hilarious. So she goes out there and this, this fembot acts like a female sage grouse. It's got a little camera so she can record. And what she's basically looking at is studying the mating ritual sure. of these animals. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah. So again, you know, like technology helping uh, research. And so it goes and it picks the ground and turns its head and stuff like that to kind of trick the males into going to their whole mating dance. Like, hey, I want to get it on with this robot. And then she, you know, records all, all the stuff. Okay, so like here's one of the parts. It, it's hilarious to read. And she's like, and this is from Dr. Per- Parcelli. Males fall for it hard. She's all, which doesn't say much for them, you know, that they're like, when these males, like when there's no hens around, she said they often try to mate with dry cow pies. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So the, yeah, she said, she's like, the bar's pretty low for them to fool uh-huh. them. So it's pretty easy to, to fool them into doing this. But the important part is, is because their habitat is disappearing sure. and they're having a lot of problems. And so she's wants to see these mating dynamics with all the environmental changes that, that they're seeing in their native habitat. So, you know, she's using that to, to study them, to well, learn about their behaviors. And, and we talk and, about that a lot where there, you really need to understand an animal's behavior and territory and dynamics and right. reproductive biology if you're going to attempt to save it because otherwise you're just like, mm-hmm. Throwing, you know, arrows in the dark or whatever the analogy would be. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. You're and throw so, money down the toilet. Yeah, right? and so I think this is, you know, she's documenting not only 
really critical, important behaviors to help save these guys. But I think her technique yeah. is as much as it might make us giggle, perhaps could be used by other researchers species, yeah. that we other, you know, other bird researchers that are desperate to try to understand animal, different birds or before they become extinct. Mm -hmm. Like I know here in Florida, we have what's called the grasshopper sparrow. Scientists and conservation experts in Florida are, I mean, it's a race against time with this bird. And so something mm -hmm. like this, potentially this, this uh, fembot or robot potentially could get closer into their native habitat yeah. and try to understand more, you know, what's the issue, what's going on here. And like you said, it's all, it's all, it's all these different right, technologies right. and technologies yeah. meet, you know, meet science in order to help conserve or at least learn more about the animals in order to conserve them. Well, yeah. And the, you know, especially the, like these sage grouse, the, the male mating ritual is just crazy. Like she was talking about, they have this crazy display with their chest, right? They're the ones that mm, blow, they mm -hmm. have that bladder and they suck in air and it's like, <laughs> and they make the crazy noises and stuff. So it's just, yeah, it would be, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to study this stuff and come up with different things. Oh, to, absolutely. To, animal behavior is amazing. And just really quick in pop conservation news, I was over the moon and back for mm -hmm. reasons I don't have time to get into a podcast. It's more of a, it's more of a fun story to tell over a, um, a cup of coffee or a beer or something. But, uh, the Dave Matthews band, mm -hmm. which I was a huge fan of, I still am a huge fan. Uh, but I was a little bit of a band aid back in the, in yeah, the late nineties, yeah. early two thousands, as far as <laughs> going to shows and somehow finding myself right, behind right. the scenes and yada blada. But anyways, I've kind of yeah. fallen out of the loop because I'm just super busy, but this band is awesome and they're progressing into this century by doing rock star amazing things for conservation and taking a stand for wildlife. So I just love right. when people that have power and influence and really go out of their way for wildlife. And so what Dave Matthews band is doing, and it's, it's the foundation, it's called the Bama foundation, I think or Bama foundation. So he, course because he's awesome has his own charity foundation mm. which all rock stars mm. should if they don't but yeah so mm. they're taking a stand for elephants mm -hmm. and for community-based conservation so what they're doing is if you make a ten dollar ten dollars that's like a starbucks mm. and a half <laughs> yeah. contribute that's a house here in new zealand to be honest Andrew. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah ten ten bucks if you make ten bucks if you make a $10 contribution to support, not the band, but to support the Retiti, I think I'm saying that right, um, R-E-T-E-T-I Elephant Sanctuary in Kenya, mm -hmm. you'll be entered to win uh, a chance to go on a luxury safari to Kenya to go to this elephant sanctuary. And then you'll also oh. win two tickets to see the Dave Matthews Band in concert in LA. And then probably... One of the coolest things, if you're a music dork like me, uh, is you win a guitar with a custom inlay of an elephant hand drawn by Dave. So that's pretty cool if you're, if you like guitars the way that I do. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it's just really cool because at this elephant sanctuary, these are, um, it's a very community based program. This is in Northern Kenya in the Samburi, in the Samburu district. And mm -hmm. so, the community's taking a stand against poaching and trying to any elephants that are 
uh, baby elephants need to be rescued. They work with them, bring them back to health, and then they re-release them. So it's, mm-hmm. and it's community owned and it's run. And so mm-hmm. it's, and it's, there's other, a lot of other partners, obviously not just the Dave Matthews band, but I think it's just an incredible, an incredible way to get people excited about conservation that maybe, you know, maybe I, of course, will just go donate to an organization if I mm-hmm. understand, want to you know, understand what they're doing and, and believe and support it. But this gives you a little incentive. So I right, was right, incentivized. Yeah, yeah. I, I made a $50, <laughs> I made a $50 donation, oh, yeah. which I don't have, but I'm like, whatever. And, yeah. uh, there, it went on my credit card, but $50 yeah. donation because I got like double or I got five times the entry, the amount, the chances yeah. to, to win or whatever. <laughs> we know I won't win. I know I won't win, but it still gamifies yeah. it and it makes it fun. And I think that that's obviously the band's smart enough to know to do that. And. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, in the same instance, there's also like the first $10,000 raised are being matched by another conservation group called Elephant Gems. So there's oh, good, putting good, all good. these partners together and I just love the Dave Bathys band. Uh, maybe I can yeah. get him on the podcast to talk about, yeah, to talk about elephants. <laughs> and him and Leonardo. Awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah awesome. uh, and yeah. then maybe he'll remember meeting me back in the like early 2000s, which he probably wouldn't. And that's okay. But, that's yeah, like I said, yeah. a different story for a different day. But yeah, yeah, man, 10 bucks, help out baby elephants. I, I watched the video with Xander and he had all these cute questions. He was like, first of all, he's like, is this in the olden days? Which is, I'm like, no, Uh this is Africa. And then he was like, he said, can I work at the elephant sanctuary? And then he said, Mm. where are all the buildings? And then mama, can we go to Africa soon? So know, if anything, know, yeah. even if you don't donate, watch, uh, we'll, we'll put a link up, at least watch the video that yeah. talks about what they're doing. And I, I hope that more rock stars or actors or people of influence, uh, do things like this. Do stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. and maybe yeah. in September I'll be in LA going to Dave Matthews concert and, in 2000, yeah, yeah, in 2019, yeah. uh, I'll select one person, maybe one of our lucky listeners to come to the elephant sink. <laughs> Your co-host. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, no, no, no lucky well, listener. I'm the lucky I listener. I mean, first I'll ask Dave Matthews if he'll go with me as my guest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair enough. No. Fair enough. Then you can do Leonardo. Leo, yes, get on yes, your list. Uh, and then if John's busy, you know, me and I will bring. Well, it my, sounds like now kids. I have to bring Xander because he's like already, I mean, he's four and a yeah, half and already at, he's four and a half and already asking to go to Africa. Drop the mic. My job is done. Yeah. I feel off. Like parent, yeah. parenting, parent win. Animals, yes, yeah. parenting win for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Angie, I'm excited. Dave Matthews is awesome and I, it would be awesome if you won. I'll be rooting for you. But this week I found. A new species or well i didn't find it but i did find the story on it and that is a new this this thing is awesome this i was excited about this one this tiny turtle that fits in the palm of your hand oh precious I'm, yeah i'm looking at it it it's like it would it's it would fit just basically in the palm of your hand it's so small and they found this new species in puerto vallarta mexico it's the only place on earth where they're at. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so I'd, it is. I've been to Puerto Vallarta 20 plus years ago. I was, I was like a kid, yeah. but yeah. 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 So they're in the, the local streams and everything there. Cute. And, and this one is called Kinesternin Vakti and it's named for the herpetologist Richard Voigt. Okay. Who studied turtles in that part of the area. So 
This is a new species. It's, it's this article again. I'm going to link it. It's really cute. The guy's holding it in like between two fingers, the one in the lab that they're, they're trying to learn more about them, how to save them. Cause obviously they're endangered because they're, it's the only population and there's not very many of them left, but super tiny, cute little turtle. Yeah. Well, I kind of took the same uh, route of cuteness that you did. And I was able mm-hmm. to find a what, – what's wrong with us? We didn't find anything. We we, we read, right? I was able I to know. read an article. <laughs> I can't talk yes. clearly. Uh, but yeah. no, um, about a new species of shrew, which if you're not fi- familiar, mm. shrew, shrew is like a – it's in the mole family, if you will. Mm. Um, yeah. and, but it was discovered in the Philippines living on a single mountaintop. And it's known as the mm. – Palawan mushroom, and it lives okay. on Pal- Palawan Island in the southern Philippines on a mountaintop. And it has a stout bo- body and broad four feet with long claws, which it uses to dig through the dirt in the forest to look for earthworms. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really, the, this mushroom doesn't really have any close relatives in Asia, and they don't really know how it came to live on this mountain. So mm-hmm. it was spotted. The animal was spotted in 2007 by researchers, uh, actually from the Field Museum in Chicago, where hopefully I get to take Xander in a few weeks here. I'm oh, super I need to excited. Go there. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, we're going hopefully in a couple of weeks. You can join us. Yeah. Take some pictures <laughs> of will. Sue. She's I know. Yeah, that's, he doesn't even know his world's about to be like so racked, but and we'll also, <laughs> and then I get to go to the um, zoo and visit all my furry, my, uh, my human friends and then my, uh, furry mm-hmm. critters. So that'll be fun. Um, but anyways, but, so they were sur- surveying this mountain. They thought they saw something, but they couldn't identify it. And they couldn't find it again. So, but just recently they were able to confirm this okay. is, this is indeed, um, a mushroom and it lives in elevations awesome. between 1500 and 2000 meters, which is wow. crazy. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. So really there. yeah. And we'll put the article up there so you can see a picture yeah, of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh, and I'll do the name, even though everybody will laugh, but it's, um, yeah. Palawana Sorex muscorium. Oh, that's not bad. Good. Hey, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's good. B plus yeah. for sure. <laughs> you can speak some some Spanish a, or French, a little, right? A little Latin, yeah, a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing that when you you know we start doing the 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 research behind this and how many species. Again, that's why I propose that we did this each week is because there's so many species we don't know out there and we're finding them every day. So, you know, kudos to the researchers out there doing this work. We love you. Keep doing what Thank you're doing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. We should get, try to get one of these researchers on for an interview and, uh, live, yeah, live yeah. through their, through live. their, uh, their treks and travels. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, anyways, Angie, have a good, wonderful weekend. For the listeners, go to the website, allcreaturespod.com. Yes. And click on all these links and videos. You can go check out the, the Sedge, Sedge Grouse robot and all this cool stuff. And enter, pay it. 10 bucks to enter. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. To, the Dave Matthews band. Yeah. yeah. To help baby elephants. Support elephants. Yeah. I love elephants. That's where I'll be. You'll meet the rhinos in South Africa. I'll be in Kenya with the elephants. Yes. I still, if I had to pick, <laughs> I'd pick the rhino orphanage. If I ever run away from my life, that's where you'll find me. Yeah. But yeah, this rhino or this elephant one, excuse me, uh, Ratati is really, oh, yeah. really oh, amazing. And yeah, we'll, we'll put the link up on yeah. the show notes because you okay. guys should check it out for sure. All right. And just stay tuned. Uh, next week, we will have a new species. We're, we're yeah, all set. Yeah, there's some great things coming up. I'm really excited. So it yeah. should be fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.